You're listening to the GDPR Weekly Show with your host, Keith Budden. Welcome to this week's edition of the GDPR Weekly Show. And as normal, I like to start with a shout out to all of our new listeners. And this week, we have new listeners right around the world. We have So welcome to our new listeners from London, Derby, Nottingham, Birmingham, Cardiff, Slough, Portsmouth, Ipswich, Guildford, Leeds, Taunton, Manchester, Southampton, Reading, Coventry, Gloucester, Doncaster, Bristol, Stockport, Watford, Stoke-on-Trent, Romford, Southend-on-Sea, Peterborough, Sheffield, Chester and Swansea, all those in the UK, and then uh, Cork and Galway in the Republic of Ireland, Barcelona and Madrid in Spain, Hamburg in Germany, Malta, Zug in Switzerland and Zurich in Switzerland, Odessa in Ukraine, Moscow in Russia, our first Russian listener, so a big shout out to you, uh, Tel Aviv in Israel, Kuwait, Pernambuco in Brazil, Alagoas in Brazil, our first time listeners from Canada in Quebec, Alabama, California and Washington DC, all in the USA of course. So wherever you are in the world, a big welcome to the GDPR Weekly Show. I hope you find the show useful and informative and entertaining. Um, and of course, a big welcome to all of you who regularly now tune in to listen to the GDPR Weekly Show. I really appreciate you taking 30 minutes out of your week to catch up on the latest news in the world of GDPR. And wherever you are in the world, if you have any comments about the show, any ideas for future episodes, anything you'd like to see me cover that I'm not covering, um, please do drop me a line with any feedback at uh, podcasts at insurety, that's E-N-S-U-R-E-T-Y dot co dot UK, podcasts at insurety dot co dot UK. I do read every email that you send. Uh, Unfortunately, I don't have time to respond to all of them individually, but please be assured that I do read every email that you send in with ideas or comments or thoughts on the programme. And so in a few moments now, I'll be telling you what's coming up in this week's edition of the GDPR Weekly Show. You're listening to the GDPR Weekly Show with your host, Keith Budden. So coming up in this week's episode of the GDPR Weekly Show, we have um, a look at some confusion that's arisen over the return of Christmas presents or Christmas gifts to retailers, particularly online retailers, and the impact of GDPR on those returns. Um, After that, we uh, have a look at some news from across the pond from from our friends in the US on how major US websites like USA Today and the New York Times have adjusted their operations in the uh, post-GDPR period. So now that we're in GDPR, uh, how they've changed their websites to try and maximise their GDPR compliance. And then 
in response to questions that we've received from listeners to the GDPR Weekly Show, we have some thoughts and some insight for you into the uh, effect of GDPR on the use of CCTV and on the recording of data from employee swipe card access systems. And then finally this week, we have an article on Poppy, the protection of personal information, which is the new South African law um, coming into force later in 2019, which will effectively provide South Africa with their equivalent of GDPR and should make them a acceptable third country, as far as the EU is concerned, for data to be transferred to and from. Um, so it will bring them into line with other countries who have similar regimes. Um, so, yeah, another packed episode of the GPR Weekly Show. And as usual, I hope you thoroughly enjoy the programme. Check us out on Facebook. There's been some confusion this week over the handling of online uh, purchases that are being returned for a refund after Christmas, maybe they're an unwanted gift or they are the wrong colour, wrong size, whatever, and the person receiving the gift is choosing to return the goods to the retailer who provided them. Uh, Bowden and some other retailers have said that this, as part of this, they need to notify the original purchaser that the person who received the goods has now returned the goods. And they say that they need to do this to comply with GDPR. Now, we certainly do not believe that to be the case. Um, There's no real reason why the original purchaser would need to be informed under GDPR, in our opinion. And indeed, we've checked that opinion with the uh, ICO. And the ICO is in agreement with us that there is no need for... Uh, uh, retailers to legally inform buyers when gifts they have bought are returned. Data protection law does not set many absolute rules. Whether and how organisations comply depends on exactly why and how they use the data. And there is often more than one way to comply, was the response we got from the ICO. And so we asked around a few other retailers and it seems that it's it's a 50-50 split. Um, some retailers, some online retailers are saying that they have to inform the original purchaser, even though the ICO and, and obviously now ourselves are saying that's not the case. But others, including Primark and Argus, um, agree with our stance and are saying that they don't need to inform the original purchaser that when an item has been returned. I think it's one of those cases where maybe those companies like Bowden who are informing the original purchaser are almost double dotting the I's and double crossing the T's. Um, they're maybe taking a far stricter interpretation of the GDPR regulations than was ever actually intended. And uh, hopefully, they will come round to the same way of thinking as Argus and Primark, and 
stop doing that because it's just a lot of work for them and also of course can cause some angst between the person who purchased the gift and the recipient of the gift if the uh, gift recipient said oh isn't that lovely on Christmas Day and then they subsequently returned the goods to the retailer for either an exchange or a refund. You're listening to the GDPR Weekly Show with your host, Keith Budden. An update on what some of the major US-based websites are doing in relation to GDPR. Um, As we previously reported, when GDPR came in on the 25th of May 2018, a large number, well over a thousand um, US popular websites, immediately blocked access to users from Europe, as they found this was the easiest way for them to avoid having to comply with GDPR. Um, Obviously, those more tech-savvy users were able to get around this by the use of proxy servers, etc. But on the whole, it meant that your average casual user from the UK found themselves unable now to access a number of US websites. Since then, larger sites uh, have started dipping their toe in the water to see how they can continue to display their content in the UK and the rest of the EU um, without actually falling foul of GDPR. And it was recognised, I think, amongst most of the sites that retargeting was one area or programmatic targeting was another where GDPR was likely to cause a problem. And so sites have taken different ways of of getting around this. Uh, the USA Today site in initially redisplayed the site to users in Europe but um, didn't show any advertising at all on that site. So European readers could read the content without any advertising at all. And that's a strategy that the USA Today site, as as we speak, is still sticking to. Uh, the Los Angeles Times has started making some of its content available, uh, but currently only in the UK and France. And uh, if you attempt to get to the Los Angeles Times site from other European countries, you find that you are still blocked from access. And again, they've taken a view of largely removing advertising from the you uh, from the UK and EU versions of the site, although there is now some some advertising starting to appear, but it's not contextual or targeted at all. Uh, the Washington Post went its own route and developed a paid subscription offer for those who didn't want to give consent to be tracked, and they were sent a warning letter from the ICO, that this was not in compliance with the spirit of GDPR. However, we're now obviously several months later, well over six months later, and no further action has been taken against the Washington Post. And so there is a feel in the US that maybe the ICO flexed its muscles by uh, issuing this warning letter to the Washington Post, but in fact there's no intention 
of transacting any litigation on it. And indeed, it's I think that's probably a fair assumption because obviously for anybody who's been involved with litigation in the US, you'll know that it's considerably more expensive process than litigation here in Europe. And um, it's hard to see quite how the ICO would successfully bring uh, action against an organisation like the Washington Post uh, when the Washington Post is wholly based outside of the UK and the EU, albeit they do have a small editorial office in Europe, but largely, you know, their, their functioning is outside of the EU. And then we come to those publications which had to find a solution. And one of those is the New York Times. The New York Times has 2.9 million digital subscribers globally and according to their own figures 15% of those digital news subscribers are from the UK and the EU. So that's some close on um, half a million subscribers who are in the UK and the EU and they obviously did not want to lose that revenue. So initially they removed all the advertising what they've now started doing is displaying advertising, but again, it's not contextual at all. So it's drawn back really probably five, maybe even ten years in the way that advertising is displayed in that people just buy space on their website, on the, on the New York Times website, and then display their ads, but they can't actually track the performance of those ads at all because the New York Times is specifically... Um, removed that capability within the UK and Europe so that they don't hold any data and therefore they don't fall foul of GDPR. And another publication which is now drifting down that same route and not unsurprisingly really is BuzzFeed because again BuzzFeed has um, a large number of readers in Europe and they obviously didn't want to lose that either and Axel Springer um, are now also starting to experiment with simple ads, uh, for want of a better term, in their US-based uh, websites when they're displayed to European users. So it's obviously not ideal from the point of view of those sites. I'm sure they would love to be able to do the same targeted advertising that they used to do. And in fact, if uh, my personal feel is if they put some time and effort into it, they probably could find that they could do an awful lot of what they used to do. But they're choosing not to do that. They're choosing to take the other option, which is say, OK, we'll carry advertising, but we'll keep it very simple advertising insofar as we won't track whether people click on the adverts or not within our actual uh, tracking at the New York Times or other publications. And therefore, we're not holding any data. Therefore, GDPR doesn't apply to us. Um, so interesting to see the different reactions amongst different publishers there on the other side of the pond. Um, and we will no doubt come back to look at the US again at some point in, in the future. And uh, in a future episode of the uh, GDPR Weekly Show, because we know we have some 20% um, of our listeners now, I think, come from the US. And so obviously I know there are a good number of you there who want to know what GDPR is happening and how you can best work with the UK and the EU 
with GDPR in place. And so we will continue to update you on that in future episodes of the GDPR Weekly Show. Check us out on Facebook. Just a reminder that as well as the podcast, we now have our own Facebook group. Please do pop along and see us there at https colon slash slash www.facebook.com slash groups slash GDPR weekly show. That's always one word, GDPR weekly show. And uh, do please come and join the group and follow the discussions that are going on. You're listening to the GDPR Weekly Show with your host, Keith Budden. We thought we'd have a look at how CCTV and swipe cards are affected by GDPR. Swipe cards, where swipe cards are being used for entry to a building or to areas within a building. And uh, thank you to those listeners, particularly in the... um, College, uh, further education colleges and also in construction who've asked us questions about this and so given us an idea for this, for this article. Um, first of all, it's important to say that uh, CCTV footage and uh, the recording of swipe card access both fall under GDPR because obviously with CCTV you've got the person's facial image and with uh, the swipe card, obviously a swipe card is issued to an individual and okay a simple swipe card might be very, just very, very simple magnetic um, card which gives access to premises and doesn't actually differentiate between one card and another and in that case they wouldn't be subject to GDPR but where the swipe card has a photograph or where the swipe card has a way when it's swiped or pushed against a pad that it records which user went through that door then that data most definitely does fall under GDPR. So let's split this into two. Let's look at CCTV first. If your CCTV looks out across a public street or public highway then a you must have signs displayed that showing that there is cctv in use and b those signs must now tell someone how to make contact with the data controller if they have a query about the information that's been recorded on the cctv or the images that have been recorded on the cctv now the data controller might be the owner of the premises if it's a very simple cctv system or it might be the security company if it's a remotely monitored cctv system or it might be the local authority again if it's a remotely monitored cctv system but whoever it is you need to make sure that that information is available and and clearly available to people who are falling subject to the cctv so what rights do people have with regard to their images on CCTV? Well, CCTV is one area where the right to be forgotten largely, normally, does not apply. So someone can't request to be deleted from your CCTV. And But they do have the other rights. They, they have the right to be able to see the bit of CCTV where they appear, if there is any. 
but you only have to make reasonable efforts to provide that information and, and what I'm meaning by that is that if you have someone who comes onto your site every day or into your building every day and they ask to see their, their recording on CCTV you need to provide that to them because that's a reasonable request if it's a member of the public who only tells you that they walk past your office or your factory or your workshop um, sometime in 2007, uh, sometime in 2018 and that's as much information they give you then whilst you should have a cursory look through your CCTV to see if you can spot any images of them no one's expecting you to spend hours and hours doing that and you can justify not providing that information because it's disproportionate um, so with CCTV yeah, I'll start again with CCTV take it with a, a small pinch of salt um, as to the actual information that you need to provide but what is crucial is that where you do have a request to provide information that you're 100% certain that that person is entitled to that information so that means either if it's an individual that you check they are the individual involved or if you've received a request from the police or another third party maybe an insurance company then make sure that you have documentary proof that those people making the request are who they say they are and that they're entitled to make the request and that you are entitled under legislation to release that information to them so that's cctv and we might come back to that in more detail in, in a future episode of the gpr weekly show so what of swipe card data or magnetic card data tracking people in and out of your building yes that does fall under gdpr so if an employee asks for a copy of all of their uh, magnetic card data of which rooms they've been into when and how long they spent in the room when they came out again if if your system records all of that then they're entitled to that likewise actually someone visiting your in your office in my other visitors um, swipe card again could request that information from you and you would be expected to supply it but again as with cctv the rules of reasonableness come into it and what i mean by that is that if you have a member of staff who comes into work every day comes through reception goes to their office which is three doors away from reception sits in their office all day comes out of there comes back to reception goes out to their car and that's all they do then you wouldn't really need to provide that for years and years and years i think you could quite safely take your sample set and and supply that to them yes you'd probably have to provide a full set if they really really pushed it but for most purposes just providing a sample of that would be sufficient however if you have a more senior member of staff or a facilities member of staff for example who maybe goes all over your property then you would probably need to record need to supply much greater volume of information and 
you have to provide the information in a form which the person receiving it is able to understand. So it might not be enough to simply do a, a data dump from your swipe card system. You might actually have to write some report around it. And of course the rules of the GDPR are that you cannot charge the recipient of the data for that data unless their request is too frequent and or their request is vexatious. Um, so it's worth maybe checking with the provider of your swipe card system just how you would go about getting reports of access by an individual person. So that should that situation arise, and you certainly obviously don't want to encourage your staff to do it, but should the situation arrive where staff make a request to um, have, a, have a copy of their records of using their swipe card or their CCTV, then you already have a procedure in place and you know how to go about it. Because bear in mind, as with all parts of GDPR subject, data subject access requests, you only have 30 days ordinarily to respond to that request and provide the information. So I hope you found that useful. I hope that gives you some, some um, useful information. And if you've got any more questions on CCTV or swipe cards, then please do send us an email to podcasts at insurety.co.uk, E-N-S-U-R-E-T-Y.co.uk, and we can include a more in-depth article in a future edition of the GDPR Weekly Show. You're listening to the GDPR Weekly Show with your host, Keith Budden. We've mentioned before about um, other countries who are basing their data protection regimes around GDPR, whether that be Japan or whether that be California in the US. And uh, now South Africa is also following that line. And so South Africa is looking likely to be regarded as an approved country for the data transfer from EU and UK countries uh, companies once uh, the new regulations in South Africa come into force. Uh, we don't yet have a precise date for when they're going to come into force, but we understand it will be in 2019. And the uh, South Africans have adopted the acronym of POPPY for their GDPR regulations, POPPY being the Protection of Personal Information, P-O-P-I. And the rules are basically very similar to GDPR. And so I think once South African data companies start implementing POPPY, then it will be easier for uh, EU and UK companies to transfer data to and from uh, companies in South Africa and uh, one thing to note though is that although Poppy is being implemented in 2019 the South African equivalent of the Information Commissioner's Office has said that they will be giving companies and organisations within South Africa a 12 month grace period to become fully compliant with the requirements of Poppy. Um, 
but for any South African country, companies or organisations already dealing with either the EU or the UK and who are already making sure their regulations are GDPR compliant, then they will really have next to no work to do to also become poppy compliant within South Africa. You're listening to the GDPR Weekly Show with your host, Keith Budden. So that brings us to the end of this week's episode of the GDPR Weekly Show. I hope you found it useful. I hope you found it entertaining. Please do let me know. Let me have your feedback by sending an email to podcast.insurity.co.uk. You can find out more about us and Insurity at www.insurity.co.uk. And I look forward to speaking to you again, same time, same place, next week. Have a good week, everybody, and remember, keep your data safe. Check us out on Facebook. The GDPR Weekly Show is an Insurity production. Follow us on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash insurity.